Hey there, and welcome along to this week's episode of The Weekly Stoic, brought to you by the Think Curiously podcast. I'm your host, Gary Devaney, and here's what we have in store for you this week. We'll continue our journey through history and stop off between 158 and 78 BC to meet with Publius Rutilius Rufus. That's easy for me to say. After that, we'll dive into the title of this week's episode, Understanding Our Wants and Needs, by reading the Daily Stoic and finishing off that section discussing my journal entries that have inspired this episode. And finally, we'll conclude the episode with six days worth of wisdom from the very book we quoted earlier, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Hall. Now it's time to get started. Mark Twain has been quoted as saying, an honest man in politics shines more than he would elsewhere. And you wouldn't be too far off the mark to describe Rufus as an honest man. In fact, it has been said that he is one of the last honest men of Rome. The man who stared down Rome's corruption with a fierce but quiet honesty that was rare among his peers as it is today. His career began as illustriously as one could imagine. He studied philosophy under Panetius and was a much-loved member of the Scipionic Circle. Rutilius served on Scipio Aemilianus's staff as a military tribune in the brutal Numantine War in north-central Spain. Rutilius was well-read, well-trained, and as a speaker, acute and systematic. He operated by a different code, and after being beaten to counsel by Marcus Aemilius, Rutilius could have been excused for bribing his way into office, just as Marcus had done, but he didn't. Instead, he brought him up on charges of political corruption, the very same charges Marcus would bring against him. Rutilius was uncompromisingly the last honest man in Rome. It's an example that calls down to us today as it did to the brave Stoics of his time and for every one of them who came after. Now, if you'd like more information about Rutilius or any of the prominent Stoics that we've featured so far, you can find them in The Lives of the Stoic by Ryan Holiday. Now, as I previously mentioned, this week's reflection has got me thinking about wants and needs. Let me rewind the clock back to 2017 when I was working with the Irish Football Association. During my time there, I was fortunate enough to have spent a lot of hours on the pitch in gym halls and lecture theatres with some of the most brilliant minds in youth coaching and physical education delivery. On one of those occasions, I learned a valuable lesson, one that has stood steadfast against the test of time. It was a bright spring evening in the middle of April, with the sun peeking through the branches of the large oak trees as they danced in the warm spring breeze that lined the pathway towards the pristine pitches that we would be working on. Now, as I walked with purpose, bags of football over my shoulder, carrying cones in the right hand, bibs in the left, all whilst clenching my lips and teeth tighter together to grip my session plan. I mean, who makes shorts without pockets these days? The smell of the freshly cut grass was causing havoc with my hay fever. Nonetheless, I make it, just as one session is finishing. I hear the coach gather his players around as he stands in the middle, He's giving them a team talk. It's not an all-rousing speech. There's no fists flying in the air. There's no foam coming out of his mouth. His veins aren't popping through his skin. He's talking quietly, but purposefully, to his players. As I walk past, I hear him offer this nugget of advice. Too many players say they want to become a footballer, but not too many will ever say they need to. You see, there's a difference between wanting and needing. To want something means that you can do without it. To need something means you'll do everything to get it. The question you've got to ask yourself is, do you want this? Or, just like the oxygen you breathe right now, do you need it? And as I made my merry way to set up for my session, my motivation and enthusiasm for my own session tripled almost instantaneously. And I guess as I was reading the reflection this week, I never appreciated the effect overhearing that conversation had on me. 
And so when reading page 95 of the Daily Stoic on the 25th of March titled Wealth and Freedom Are Free, it brought forward the memory of that conversation. And here it is. March 25th, Wealth and Freedom Are Free. Freedom isn't secured by filling up on your heart's desire, but by removing your desire. There are two ways to be wealthy. To get everything you want or to want everything you have. Which is easier right here and right now? The same goes for the freedom. If you chafe and fight and struggle for more, you'll never be free. If you could find and focus on the pockets of freedom you already have, well, then you'd be free right now. You see, the strange thing is that it might not seem obvious that such a passage would provoke thoughts of wants and needs. And for the most part, you'd be right, because it wasn't the full package. Rather, it was the line that states there are two ways to be wealthy, to get everything you want or to want everything that you have. And then when I opened my journal and read the question, would I feel wealthier if I decreased my wants? I was taken right back to that moment I mentioned earlier. And here's my reflections for the 25th of March. I once came across a saying that there's a difference between wanting and needing. When we want something, we can survive without it, like we are currently doing now. When we need something, then we can't survive without it, like the air that we breathe or the food that we eat. We don't necessarily want these things. We need them. I'm not sure that minimalist is the right word, but I feel like living a life where you find joy and motivation from and in others more than material wants, that that could then lead to a more acceptable level of happiness. Wants can consume us to the point that what we want may be got at the detriment of what we actually need. And I think I've said this before, as each week passes, I do honestly feel like I'm learning more, but the more that I'm learning, I'm also aware that I don't know more than I actually do know. There's so much more out there, so much more understanding and clarity to be gained from this whole process and from researching and understanding the way the Stoics lived. And I guess in comparison to last week when there was a bit of a a curveball thrown at me and I suppose I jumped over that hurdle without looking or thinking too much about it. I just got over it and I kept going. It's it's led me to the point now where I now look back upon that and say, well, I've done the right thing. I've done the right thing for me. And when it came to this week's reflections, there could have been four or five that I could have chosen, but this one jumped out at me, I think, as well, because I am a football coach. That's that's my identity. That's how I see myself. And we are going back onto the football pitch, hopefully on the 12th of April. So I suppose all of that subconscious somewhere along the line was merging all of that information together and then pushed it through my attentional filter once I was journaling and reading to come up with this week's episode. So as always, I do hope that you've enjoyed that. I hope you've understood that and you've got something from it and maybe it's offered some motivation and inspiration for you to reflect upon. We finish off this episode with six days worth of Stoic wisdom from the book The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, the book upon which this podcast is based. March 19th, Timeless Wisdom. For there are two rules to keep at the ready, that there is nothing good or bad outside my reason choice and that we shouldn't try to lead events but to follow them. In the mid-20th century, there was an Indian Jewish priest named Anthony de Mello. Born in Bombay when it was still under British control, de Mello was an amalgam of many different cultures and perspectives. East, West, he even trained as a psychotherapist. It's interesting when one sees timeless wisdom develop across schools and ideas. Here's a quote from de Mello's book, The Way of Love, that sounds almost exactly like Epictetus. Cause of my irritation is not in this person, but in me. Remember, each individual has a choice. You're always the one in control. The cause of irritation or our notion that something is bad, that comes from us, from our labels, from our expectations. 
Just as easily, we can change those labels. We can change our entitlement and decide to accept and love what's happening around us. And this wisdom has been repeated and independently discovered in every century and every country since the beginning of time. March 20th, ready and at home. I may wish to be free from torture, but if the time comes for me to endure it, I'll wish to bear it courageously, with bravery and honour. Wouldn't I prefer not to fall into war? But if war does befall me, I'll wish to carry nobly the wounds, starvation and other necessities of war. Neither am I so crazy as to desire illness, but if I must suffer illness, I will wish to do nothing rash or dishonourable. The point is not to wish for these adversities, but the virtue that makes adversities terrible. President James Garfield was a great man, raised in humble circumstances, self-educated and eventually a civil war hero, whose presidency was cut short by an assassin's bullet. In his brief time in office, he faced a bitterly divided country, as well as a bitterly and internally divided Republican Party. During one fight, which challenged the very authority of his office, he stood firm, telling an advisor, Of course I deprecate war, but if it was brought to my door, the bringer will find me at home. That's what Seneca is saying here. We'd be crazy to want to face difficulty in life, but we'd be equally crazy to pretend that it isn't going to happen. Which is why when it knocks on our door, as it very may well this morning, Let's make sure we're prepared to answer it. Not the way we are when a surprise visitor comes late at night, but the way that we are when we're waiting for an important guest. Dressed, in the right headspace, and ready to go. March 21st. The best retreat is in here, not out there. People seek retreats for themselves, in the country or by the sea or by the mountains. You're very much in the habit of yearning for the same things. But this is entirely the trait of a base person. When you can, at any moment, find such a retreat in yourself. For nowhere can you find a more peaceful and less busy retreat than in your own soul, especially if on close inspection it is filled with ease, which I say is nothing more than being well-ordered. Treat yourself often to this retreat and be renewed. Do you have a vacation coming up? Are you looking forward to a weekend so that you can have some peace and quiet? Maybe. Maybe you think that after things settle down or after I get over with this, but how often? Has that actually worked out? The Zen meditation teacher, John Kabat-Zinn, coined a famous expression, wherever you go, there you are. We can find a retreat at any time by looking inward. We can sit with our eyes closed and feel our breath go in and out. We can turn on some music and tune out the world. We can turn off technology or shut off those rampant thoughts in our head. That will provide us with peace, nothing else. March 22nd. The sign of true education. What is it then to be properly educated? It is learning to apply our natural preconceptions to the right things according to nature, and beyond to separate the things that lie within our power from those that don't. A degree on a wall means you're educated as much as the shoes on your feet mean that you're walking. It's a start, but hardly sufficient. Otherwise, how could so many educated people make unreasonable decisions, or miss so many obvious things? Partly it's because they forget that they ought to focus only on what lies within their power of control. A surviving fragment from the philosopher Hercules expresses that reality. Many who have learned from Hesiod the countless names of gods and monsters never understand that night and day are one. Just as you walk plenty well without shoes, you don't need to step into a classroom to understand the basic fundamental reality of nature and of our proper role in it. Begin with awareness and reflection, not just once, but every single second of every single day. March 23rd, 
the straight-jacketed sole. The diseases of the rational soul are long-standing and hardened vices, such as greed and ambition. They have put the soul in a straitjacket and have begun to be permanent evils inside it. To put it briefly, this sickness is an unrelenting distortion of judgment, so that things are only mildly desirable as vigorously sought after. In the financial disaster of the late 2000s, hundreds of smart, rational people lost trillions of dollars worth of wealth. How could such smart people have been so foolish? These people knew the system knew how the markets were supposed to work, and had managed billions, if not trillions of dollars, and yet, almost to a person, they were wrong, and wrong to the tune of a global market havoc. It's not hard to look at the situation and understand that greed was some part of the problem. Greed was what led people to create complex markets so that no one could understand in the hope of making quick up. Greed caused other people to make trades on strange pools of debt. Greed prevented anyone from calling out the situation for what it was, a house of cards just waiting for the slightest breeze to knock it all down. Doesn't do you much good to criticise those folks after the fact. It's better to look at how greed and vices might be having a similar effect in our own life. What lapses in judgement might your vices be causing you? What sicknesses might you have? And how can your rational mind step in and regulate them? March 24th, there is philosophy in everything. Eat like a human being, drink like a human being. Dress up, marry, have children, get politically active, suffer abuse, bear with a headstrong brother, father, son, neighbour or companion. Show us these things so that we can see that you truly have learned from the philosophers. Plutarch, a Roman biographer as well as an admirer of the Stoics, didn't begin a study of the greats of Roman literature until late in his life. But as he recounts in his biography of Demosthenes, he was surprised at how quickly it all came to him. He wrote, It wasn't so much that the words brought me into a full understanding of events, as that somehow I had a personal experience of the events that allowed me to follow closely the meaning of the words. That is what Epictetus means about the study of philosophy. Study, yes, but go live your life as well. It's the only way that you'll actually understand what any of it means. And more important, it's only from your actions and your choices over time that it will be possible to see whether you took any of the teachings to heart. Be aware of that today when you're going to work, going on a date, deciding whom to vote for, calling your parents in the evening, waving to your neighbour as you walk to your front door, tipping the delivery man, saying goodbye to someone you love. All of that is philosophy. All of it is experience that brings meaning to the word.